Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. Since the federal election last year, there's been a real focus on international relations, including a major effort to engage with our own region. The biggest challenge, of course, is our relationship with China. It's our largest trading partner, but relations soured a few years ago when crippling tariffs were imposed on a range of exports. Things are improving, but even putting China to one side, there are enormous opportunities within Asia for Australian businesses. Today, I want to find out just how big those opportunities are and how we're going to take advantage of them. AsiaLink Business is Australia's National Centre for Asia Capability, hosted by the University of Melbourne. For the last decade, the centre has been working with Australian organisations to expand trade ties in Asia, a mandate that was recently renewed by the government with almost $15 million of funding in this year's federal budget. Lee Howard is the CEO of AsiaLink Business. Lee, welcome to Fear and Greed. Yeah, thanks. Great to be with you. Such a big topic to try and cover. Is there a single biggest opportunity in Asia for Australia right now, or what are where are the big opportunities? Yeah, it's a great question. I would characterise this as that the growing diversity of Asia is a is a blessing and a curse. Overall, more of a yeah. blessing than anything. But you know, there are more and more markets coming online. We're talking about countries that have uh, always been relatively populous compared to Australia's size. But these countries are becoming increasingly affluent as well. So as they come online, as the average person in those countries as a consumer can afford the premium goods and services that Australian likes to export, then each of them has something to offer in their own right. The tyranny of distance we always talked about, perhaps we are actually getting our payback now because we are so close to Asia and indeed part of Asia. Yeah, definitely. You know, And, and there's a, a common phrase that Asia's on our doorstep. Some countries in Asia might sort of turn it around (laughs) and say we're on their doorstep and look we're closer to some than others so definitely relative to proximity the markets of southeast asia really present themselves as being our nearest neighbors indonesia in particular a large country by population but a, a large country by gdp as well another g20 compatriot of of australia's but really our trade and investment relationship is is well underdone compared to the size of two neighboring economies So why do you think we have, I mean, I want to get into the opportunities in China and Indonesia and India and those sorts of places, but why have we underdone it so much thus far? And maybe we'll just park China for the moment, but other economies. Oh, there's a few valid reasons for this. First of all, the nature of Australia's business ventures overseas. So by and large, commodities uh, have played a big part in Australia's trade story, and that's been wonderful. It's delivered some fantastic economic outcomes for Australia. But commodities are often driven by where you get the best price. It's described as being more transactional compared to actually going into a market, doing a business, uh, you know, establishing on-the-ground operations, understanding the local consumer and all of the localization that has to come into your thinking around, you know, market entry and market success. So that's, to a certain extent, that's dominated our export story. Also, what's often characterized is um, good times at home. So the Australian economy by virtue of, in some ways, those contribution of exports to the Australian economy. You know, Australia enjoyed decades of uninterrupted growth up until COVID, and that meant domestically we had a robust economy. Unfortunately, as well, to a certain extent, the growth in the property market, you know, tended to take up some of the investment dollar that might have otherwise gone to outward ventures. So there's a few reasons why the 
nature of Australia's relationship economically with other markets has been about more transactional approaches to doing business. But now that we're experiencing, you know, uh, more challenging circumstances and there's only growing opportunities in Asia, it really is time for Australian companies to muscle up in terms of their understanding of those markets and to seek out those opportunities that can bring success. Okay, so let's talk about Indonesia. I think there's 275 million people, thereabouts, 270, 280 million people in Indonesia, I think, right on our doorstep. Where are the opportunities in Indonesia for Australian business? Yeah, so first of all, you start simply with the size of the Indonesian population and so that you get people who, as they start to move up the per capita income stakes, they start to look to enjoy more high quality products and services. So first of all, we start with food and agribusiness. So people you know, want to access better food. They look for more protein in their diet. So that's where you see opportunities for areas where Australia is traditionally strong in terms of red meat, grains, dairy, these types of categories. So you can expect opportunities to open up there. We've also got still uh, commodity opportunities in terms of exporting some of those raw resources, although Indonesia has some of those for themselves. But then you get things like education, you get healthcare, all of these things that go with a modernising society. Indonesia's looking to industrialise. They're also thinking about their manufacturing mix. That's playing out particularly in terms of looking at vehicles, electric vehicles specifically. So there is a conversation about where Australia's contribution to critical minerals uh, that play a role in producing batteries and these types of things that can be form part of the EV value chain. So a range of opportunities, still uh, a lot to be explored. It's really interesting with Indonesia. It is one of those economies that has moved from being almost a commodity intensive industry it's, uh, economy itself to being one that now has more complementarities to Australia's export profile. Stay with me, Lee. We'll be back in a minute. I'm speaking to Lee Howard, CEO of AsiaLink Business. The cultural difference, I mean, we know how to trade with New Zealand and we know how to trade with the UK and in some ways we know how to trade with China. Do we know how to trade with Indonesia? Culture probably isn't the right term to use here, but uh, so uh, part of my ignorance, but kind of in a a like-for-like manner, Lee. It's a journey. We're getting there. You're exactly right. There's a huge comfort factor with uh, trading with other Western markets. And we still see that in terms of where Australian businesses are most likely to hop on a plane and go to, to explore new markets. And they can be the already saturated and competitive markets of Europe and North America. But there's a massive comfort factor there. That also plays out in terms of outbound investment. I mean, you're probably more likely to see a higher rate of Australian investment into a European country than you are into a much larger Asian country, unfortunately. We're getting there. You're exactly right. We built this this knowledge, this understanding, this um, cultural capability or cultural understanding with a market like China and started on that journey a, a couple of decades ago. It wasn't easy. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's no shortage of barriers in terms of language, cultural, regulatory, and then just the nature of doing business in those environments. So again, there's a choice for Australian businesses to think about, well, which markets should they be looking at? Which one's the right one for their products, their services, but also the type of enterprise they are. You know, are they a small business, a large business, uh, all these types of things as well. And then the work you have to do to enter each market to then to pick one and say, well, that's the one that I'm going to invest in getting my organisation to get its head around doing business in that environment and being successful. So there's 
no shortage of challenges, but it's the size of the prize on the other side of the equation that's really activating interest, not just by Australian businesses, but by businesses around the world to play a, a part in Asia's future. There seems to be no bigger prize than India, maybe China, but I think India is growing faster than China and they're both about 1.4 billion people. We, well, Anthony Albanese, the Prime Minister, obviously has had a bit to do with Narendra Modi, the Indian Prime Minister recently. India has been a very difficult economy for Australian businesses to get into. We've had ANZ Bank did it once with Grindleys, I think, that did a great job. But generally, we haven't been very good at India. Why is that? And can we get better? Well, a part of this I'd put down to where India was in terms of its stage of economic development. So India's coming online, again, uh, that GDP per capita, or, or even more than that, the emergence of an affluent class in India that, again, is looking to get its hands on you know, premium goods and services. Also, the development of the economy in terms of infrastructure, manufacturing development, all of these things that are there, they're, they're really quite appealing. And technology. I mean, we've We've often known India's profile as the um, sort of IT hub of the world. Well, that's playing out in terms of the Indian economy itself. It's got a really strong digital component in its economy. Digital payments processing is just through the roof. And so there's opportunity for Australian companies to, to play a part in that growth story. What's really amazing is not just our interest in India, but India's interest in Australia. I mean, that, that India's looking around the world for you know who it's going to partner with in its modernisation. Countries know that they won't get to where they want to get to without partnering with other countries or that it will take a lot longer to get there. And so there's parts of the Indian economy that have been quite protected over the years. But where those barriers are breaking down, it's it's really interesting that India sees a strong partnership with Australia. And so we signed what's referred to as an interim FTA or an early harvest uh, free trade agreement that came to force. But that was a stepping stone towards a full FTA, which is on track to come in in the next 12 months. And that provides Australian exporters with privileged access, unique access ahead of many of their international competitors to the Indian market. None of this happens without some sort of geopolitical overlay. We have seen that in China, obviously. Australia seems to be getting closer to some of its nearer neighbours, though. The Quad is an example of that, but we do seem to be getting closer with some of our neighbours. Yeah, look, there's a sense of alignment in terms of where you have your diplomatic relations, your security relations, and therefore your uh, people-to-people ties and economic relations as well. And it's convenient sometimes to have those all aligned. China's played a uniquely large role in our trade story. I mean, the Australian economy, as, as dominant as China is or as big a role as China plays in most trading countries' story, for Australia, it's been it's been large. I think it reached a peak of something like 42% of Australian exports at one stage were going to China. I mean, that is a, you characterise that as just dominance to a degree that you don't normally see in, in other countries. Now, the stoush with China uh, means that there's been an agenda of diversification being pursued both by the government but by businesses themselves. So we're almost, there's an alignment there about the risk of being exposed to a single market. And so we've seen some pullback uh, to a certain extent in terms of the exposure to the China market. Not that it's not going to be the dominant destination for our exports anytime soon. But it has caused folks to pause and reflect and to think about their trade strategies, where they want to be going, and then building both relations and knowledge of alternative markets. In the long run, that's a healthy thing. I think there's a lot of us in the trade space who think that 
diversification of Australia's export profile is a healthy thing. Perhaps just that the reasons why this occurred or that what instigated this change probably was not not ideal because there were Australian businesses who were impacted overnight by you know some of those trade bans and it really knocked them around unfairly so. But in the long run, you know, building awareness and understanding of other export markets gives Australian businesses more options uh, and means they've got some choice around where they send their exports, you know, pricing, all of these types of things. Lee, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thank you. That was Lee Howard, CEO of AsiaLink Business at the University of Melbourne. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.